This is Mark. And this is Kenny. And this is all I want to do is talk about Madonna. (laughs) Album 11, track 11. We're here at last, Kenny Finkel. Easy ride. I have a lot to say about this song and being at the oh, end baby. of this album. Um, but before we do that, let's introduce our very, 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 very special guest. Yes, we are so excited to welcome Theodore Ted Kerr. He is a writer, educator, and organizer. Ted is a founding member of the collective What Would an HIV Doula Do? He is the author of We Are Having This Conversation Now, The Times of AIDS Cultural Production with Alexandra Juhas, available now from Duke University Press. And I have to say, um, uh, Ted is a writer that uh, the way, the energy in his prose uh, shows what uh, an organize, his history as an organizer, because his work, I've read a bunch of his stuff, and he, it, it doesn't sit on the shelf neat and tidy. It has got power and punch. And it's like he's like grabbing you through the page and grabbing your collar to say, you better listen to me. Welcome, Ted. <laughs> yes, welcome, Ted. Um, hi, Kenny and Mark. You better listen to me. I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. <laughs> well, we're you. excited that you're here, too. Um, we reached out to you at the beginning of this album after you had, um, you send out a, a newsletter, which, um, at the end of the episode, hopefully you'll share some info about how people can connect with you and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you had written an article or an essay called her American life, which was sort of, I think it was your birthday, right? Your 44th birthday. If I'm yeah. And you had written an, an essay sort of looking at a Mo- Madonna and the American life album also through the lens of being the same age that she was when the album came out. And it was just a beautiful piece and captured so many of the things that Mark and I have um, been talking about and thinking about throughout this album cycle as well. And so it just seemed like a really nice like bookend to our season to invite you to join us to, well, talk about your thoughts about this song, Easy Ride, but also talk about the album and Madonna at this time and all anything else that pops up along the way. So. Yeah, it's such a dream to talk to you too about this album and this song specifically because it is such a pivotal moment in her career and as you said as I'm looking back on it it's such a fruitful and helpful way for me to think about my life now and maybe what the future can hold mm. well That's when you think true. about it yeah like what do you like uh, I wonder you know when you wrote the essay what you were thinking about and then I don't you know I'm presuming you've been listening um but uh that you know how how has it been informing you or what has it been what have you been thinking about over the last couple of months as well one of the most important things about this podcast all i want to do is talk about madonna is that you take madonna seriously as an artist as a cultural figure but then you also braid in your own lives which is super important to me because madonna for me is a social construction i don't know the real madonna i only know madonna through my community and now this podcast is part of my community and so that's also a way of knowing my So when I hear this song, I think about my life in 2003, but because of the power of the recorded uh, industry and and technology, I'm able to reflect back on the past and then in the present. And so I've always been generous to Madonna, but listening to this album and listening to you two talk about it song by song is giving me the ability to also be generous to myself 
there's um, this amazing person, recording artist named uh, Macy Rodman, um, a Bushwick celebrity, but also a Brooklyn celebrity and a New York celebrity. And she often jokes lately that she's going through her ray of light phase. And <laughs> as someone who's a little bit older than her, I think I'm going through my American life phase. So what is it to, you know, what is the aftermath of an epiphany? If Ray of Light is Madonna's epiphany album that changes who she is and how she is in public, then music and American life is like, what do you do with that newfound knowledge of yourself in the world? Exactly. And I think, I think part of the journey for both journey uh, for both Kenny and I um, in talking about this album has been how it's, how, uh, the lessons that she's trying to impart over, through the songs have actually informed our lives and made uh, impacted us. Whereas back then, I don't think we necessarily knew what it was doing to us. Um, I, I certainly was kind of, I, I really resonate with the idea of being kinder to myself from that, that self from, from 2003. Cause I was, as you know, uh, quite a mess when I was, was grappling with this initially, but how, the lessons of it have just continued to resonate in her career and um, over the, the the 20 years since then. And nowhere, I think, is that more prevalent than an easy ride, I think. Mm. Well, let's talk about easy ride a little bit. Um, the last song on the album, the first writing credit for Monty Pittman. Finally, Official. Monty gets a little gets some money. Let's talk about he finally gets a little moolah, a little well, moolah for our art, Monty. <laughs> Don't you think he's been getting paid pretty handsomely all along? I mean, this is a different and kind he of is, money. But he's but every year he's getting some money. Don't you think? Yeah, from yeah. Easy Ride. I don't know. <laughs> well, but but the, but the album sells, and I'm sure he gets a little little money there because everybody yeah, gets a little, like a couple cents. I mean, Jem probably bought a little house with the money she got from Nothing Fails. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, I think she maybe got a studio apartment. You know <laughs> but what I she mean? bought it. She owned it. Maybe. Okay? It was a co-op. <laughs> uh, maybe Madonna a... wrote the note to the co-op board. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. But, but but you know, like like mine. But I think it's a really interesting song because you know we we've got Mich Michel Colombier's strings back, and uh, he these strings are completely different than the ones from Die Another Day. And today I listened to kind of Die Another Day into Easy Ride. And it was such a, a, a kind of, because I had been kind of skipping it because we had already discussed Die Another Day. And uh, I was like, oh my God, it's like two different orchestras. I thought it was mm. so beautiful. The, it, is, yeah, it is such an amazing shift, right? There's so much similarity, but Die Another Day is made for a broad audience, right? Obviously, it's a theme song for James Bond. And so she's really making it for the back of the stadium, right? Yeah. And everybody between her and the back of the stadium. Whereas Easy Ride is very like intimate and it literally goes inside, at least when I hear mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because we because we skipped it. I don't listen to the album with that in the sequence, and I I personally don't believe "Die Another Day" should be on this album. Like, I don't think it fits. Um, but I felt like Ted, you had made a, a point about sort of how "Die Another Day" like leads us into "Easy Ride" about thinking about you know dying and being reborn. I don't know. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Die Another Day is Madonna bombastically trying to skirt the the realities of what it means to be human, which is to put off death. And she does it in her pop star sort of way. And then as almost to prove the thesis of this album as a singer-songwriter album or a folk album, she then actually really just her and the guitar begins strumming and vocalizing what are the things she does want? Like what if, if she's going to die another day, then what's she going to do with that other day, right? Mm -hmm. And it's to touch the ground, go full circle, be with her children, right? So when she says die another day, it's not an empty platitude. Well, and, 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 you know, I mean, I, so much about Die Another Day is about the, the effort. Like, I'm going to work, I'm going to do this, I'm going to break it, I'm going to boom, boom, boom. And now kind of she's like sitting there in like the cleared space. I kind of just had this idea of like, she's just like cleared all the path. And now she's like, okay, now where am I going to go? Is she at a fork in the road with her guitar, Kenny? Is she, is she strumming and looking for an answer? Is Monty with her strumming a riff and she starts to just sing 
a little tune. It in many ways, like this song is very prescient for right now because I feel like everybody is uh after the pandemic, now everyone feels like it's the next day. Like I feel like there's so many people, good and bad, uh, really kind of like ripping down the masks and doing the things they want to do, including our like government, like everybody who is homophobic and awful are are trying to do the things they've always wanted to do. Like, like everyone's kind of like just said, okay, the world almost ended during the pandemic. Now we're, we, we've got another, and what are we going to, what am I really want to do with my life? What I really want to do with my time? Who do I want to spend it with? And what do I want to do? And I think for good and bad, that's happening. And I think this song is about Madonna being like, okay, I've, I've essentially cleaned my emotional spiritual house. What am I going to put in it now? And I think that's what the song is about. It's also about like, she can't get any higher than she's gotten. I mean, she kind of like, you know, Die Another Day was a huge peak in her career, like, you know, pop career. Yeah. And in a way, like, you know, um, I could, she could lean back for the rest of her career and still get all the fruits. She doesn't have to work hard at this point in her life, but she's saying, I do want to work, continue to work hard. I want to find new ways to challenge myself. I want to, I want to really earn the sweetness of life. Feel the blood and sweat on my fingertips. The work ethic, the my my favorite thing, my favorite Midwestern work ethic, of like I, it it doesn't matter unless I've really earned worked to earn it. Mm-hmm. Which Mark, don't you think it's an interesting parallel? I know that you don't like it when she sings talent. She that hate it. That, but isn't it connected? That kind of fetishization of talent is so connected to this song's kind of evocation of working hard. What, what, yeah, totally. And and I'm just thinking to myself, it's like, I think I also wonder sometimes if she she still riffs at people saying she's not talented. Like, gosh, Madonna's really savvy, but she's really talented. And I think that's part of it. Like, I think that's an interesting point is that I think I think the talent, she's still kind of ruffles under that, um, you know, kind of bristles under that idea of like, nobody really gives her the 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 flowers for her talent. And, and I think this album, especially this song, is when she's maybe the most empty of insecurity or put it another way. I think this song in this album is when she is almost the most stable in her abilities. And and to your point, Kenny, it almost feels like she is toying with the idea of she doesn't need to hold on to the crown. She doesn't need to be the queen of pop. And that's why in this period you see her, you know, flirting with giving the the throne to Britney or pretending to give it to Christina. And we see her doing that a little bit later, but here it's truly generous, right? And so I think she is really considering where could she go next? And, and as both of you know, from that, from that newsletter essay that I wrote, I think if the American public, if we had been more generous in our reception of American Life, the album, I think we would have a much different Madonna today. I think we'd have a Madonna who is more secure in her position in the world. And we would have seen her, you know, not to bring economic terms into it, but diversify in a more robust way and maybe not, maybe be comfortable not being the zeitgeist and the trendsetter that no one can hold on to for their whole life. Nobody. No, 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 no. Yeah, I wonder about that too. I think about that a lot because it's interesting. I know I, I feel like at the beginning of this album, I was very clear that this was an album I wasn't totally connected with when it first came out. And I feel like I've so, and this is from my whole life, so influenced by mass culture, mainstream culture and opinion. And that this this time period where there was such negativity towards her really influenced me and i i turned away from her um during this period and i look back now i mean going through this album has been a really profound experience in that way of like what was i turning away from and why did i what was what were the voices that i were hearing and why was i turning away and i think it's because of this sort of this real shift to something truly real i mean looking back now going back like oh you know I would give anything for an, for her to make an album like this again now, you know, and yeah. it's like never going to, it's like, could it ever happen? Um, you know, and, and where is that woman that was here 
what happened to her? Where did she, where did she put her? Where did she hide her? And I feel such pain for like that. Was it society? Was it her personal life? Was it her internal struggles? All of those things at the same time, you know, and this confluence of like, I can't, I can't be this person that no one's going to allow me to be this. And then she just sort of like shut it away. And I do wonder like if we had been like, this was a work of genius, would she have gone deeper into this sound? Would she, there are other, you know, in Rebel Heart, like there are all these um, demos of her doing like folk songs. Yeah. Like that revolution song. There's so many that I think that's really where her, you know, or when she sings, if I had a hammer and like, this is actually who I think she really is at her heart. Like that's the music I feel like her childhood really, I mean, she loved R&B and all that other stuff, but I also think that there's this real folk side of her that just doesn't, that she can't allow, she's afraid of bringing out again. You know, well, and, and, you know, I mean, I think I, I look at the lyrics to easy ride and I think to myself, what I want is to find my place, breathe the air and feel the sun on my children's face. And it's like, I go round and round, just like a circle. Um, I can see a clearer picture. When I touch the ground, I come full circle to my place and I am home. those lyrics to be i used to always think of like oh this is about finding her family and finding that it's really about her place spiritually inside of herself and it's like it's like the success and the and the has has allowed her to see a clearer picture not only of herself but the how the world treats and commodifies her or doesn't commodify her and it's like going and the round and round I used to be like oh it's like you know uh, like the circle game in Joni Mitchell and, but no it's the cycle of being a pop star is it is it round and round and it's like because there is a kind of I think that there's a real challenge in being a pop star um in that idea of particularly at this time it's just album tour cycle over and over again if that's what you do and i think to keep that fresh over and over and over and over again has got to be really challenging and i i see it you know i mean look at all the tours happening this summer and and stuff like it's really interesting that like different artists are trying all these different ways to keep it fresh or keep it different or you know keep it challenging and and i think um I think there was also something of her her wondering in this song is like, is that still what I want to do? And some of oh, it, yeah. is, and some of it is is I ha- some of it I think I have to do it. Like the, yeah. I think one of the answers becomes, well, you have to do it, Madonna. And yeah. and sometimes, but you know, I th- I think it's a give and take of like because does she still feel in control? is always my big question. And I feel like at this point in this song, she's saying, you know what? I I've made this uncompromising record, this challenging record. I don't know if it's going to be a success, but this is, this is how I'm feeling. And that alone and a lot, and my control of being able to do it is enough for me. Mm. And then she's pressed stop and then the album came out and then, and then it became another thing, but in the moment of recording it, 
I think it was that feeling. That's what it feels like to me, at least. I mean, her Maverick label mate, Alanis Morissette, often says when writing a song that the universal is the particular. And mm. I think especially with Easy Ride, I think all of the things you bring up around the cycles and, and the circle, it's like the earth goes around in a circle and it's a cycle and our lives can feel like they're going around in a circle and a cycle. And I think specifically, Mark, when you point out the kind of the the circular notion of being a pop star is true but then she also sings this line which is really intense where she says um if what i want is to live forever not defined by time and space it's a lonely place and mm. You know, that has just become more increasingly true as she is one of the only survivors of yeah. that time, right? Like Prince has died, Michael Jackson has died, Whitney Houston has died, you know, all of the people that she came up with and and who maintained this kind of uh, stratospheric career have gone. And so this song just, as we all rotate on this planet together, has just increased in meaning for me and I, I wonder about for her. Yeah, I mean, I think about like those those lines are are to me the most striking, and even the two lines before that. I want to let go of all disappointment that's waiting for me. I mean, oh, oh my gosh, because um, uh, yeah. she knows she knows she can see ahead. But this these lines to me demonstrate what I think a lot of this album is about is this this um this internal struggle for her between this genuine, true, quiet woman who's thinking about who she is in the world and what her place is and then this great need to be eternal and huge and yeah. a star shining in the sky you know and that she's she's grappling with like i want both she wants both you know and can she have it Well, and she has it in this song. Like the production of this song is both really intimate and small. It's around the guitar and the chords and the kind of electric uh, beeps. And then it's this huge orchestra. Like it's both this epic song because it does feel the, the strings and everything until it kind of breaks down near the end feel really big. It's like dun to dun, like she's coming in on chariot and, and then it starts and it, it like comes back down to this intimacy. Um, the other thing, the other thing I want to go back to mentioning, you know, Maverick and Alanis and Michelle, there's also, I was, I was doing some digging. And one of the things very interesting, I remember when Alanis came out in 1995, all the next two years, every record label had their Alanis Morissette. Like, at, like there were like a dozen, maybe two dozen women who who were were the oh we're gonna have an Alanis and yeah, ne- yeah it was a magical time. I'm thinking about like Tracy Bonham. Yes, I'm I was thinking make, about oh Lisa. Yes, I'm tra- thinking about Patty Rothberg. Remember that song <laughs> "Inside" by Patty Rothberg? I loved Patty Rothberg. Can you sing it? I could roll myself on down the line. I feel fine. the same inside anyway there were all the, and they all had like because the record labels were behind them they all had like one hit and by 2003 
every record label had started shedding those singer songwriters they had signed like like under 10 years ago and i do think and i see and i i do so i do think that madonna's also watching some of that happen and watching how like christina and britney are try and and her kind of quote unquote heirs are starting to pivot and not being successful either. So she's also very aware of like the pitfalls of what's happening in the music industry, especially to women, which I found very interesting. Like it's it's shocking, and I and I I just kind of did a little deep on some of those artists, and without a question, around this time, their record they they made two records or maybe three records if they were lucky, and then their record their major labels dropped them because yeah. Let me tell you, as somebody who was living in Canada at that time, it was Lady Palooza. It's so true, and for every American artist that you can think of there was two or three. It got to the point where I remember when Hanson came out, I was like, oh, those are three Canadian women singing Mbop because that just was what was on offer. I wish they had been Canadian women singing Mbop. (laughs) That song would be so cool with Mbop. Maybe Haim should cover Mbop. I I, think Haim should cover I thought they were the same person, the same group. (laughs) Um, Ted, you brought something up too about uh, Lauren Hill and her unplugged album around this time. Can you um, talk a little bit about that? It's so interesting. Yeah. So like I said, I was living in Canada, specifically Edmonton, Alberta at this time. And, you know, I can't exactly remember everything from this time perfectly, but I, around, around this era, Uh, I was living with my friend Carmen and Carmen and I did not know each other, but we got to know each other through how we would subtly torture each other as roommates. And the way that I would subtly torture her was to play um, Lauryn Hill's Unplugged um, every day and also play American Life by Madonna repeatedly. And one time Carmen came into the living room because I love to collage while I was listening to these CDs. And <laughs> she said, and she had just come out of the shower. She had a house coat on. She was drying her big, beautiful blonde hair. And she said, who is Madonna to tell me that I can't read magazines and I'm not allowed to care <laughs> about gossip? And I was like, what are you talking about? And for her, she thought social disease was an like uh, Madonna's spazzing out on her. So that was our experience with Madonna. And then with Lauren Hill, that album, there's these long parts of talking in between these songs that are unfinished, that are so, that are folk, that are simple compared to the miseducation of Lauren Hill. She has these kind of in-between little speeches and those speeches are so deep. She talks about her mental health, her spiritual awakening. She talks about her romantic relationship, the pressures of being famous. And this This album was, if we think that American life was judged harshly by the consuming public, Unplugged was just, you know, it literally, that was the end of Lauryn Hill, no? Like, am I, do you remember it differently? No, no, no. I, I, I remember everyone freaking out that this was like the next, this was her choice for another album. And I know that there was a lot of controversy around like she had been in the studio and she was not releasing what she'd put out and things like that. And, um, and, but I, I remember being like, wow, this is another, another major artist trying to find another way to do it. Because it did feel, I, I mean, I was like, first of all, I was like, why is it, why is Lauren Hill doing an unplugged? Like it, it felt like such a corporate shilly thing to do. And then I was like, oh, but she can use it as this platform for these things she wants to say. But I, I saw it as a whole, it, kind of a, not a sister to American life. Cause I didn't pair them, but I just remember being thinking to myself, wow, the, I hope people are listening to the, to the speak, the speeches instead of just skipping them. I think the speeches age better than the songs, personally. And that's not to say that I think that they're correct or that people should follow them. There's just a kind of depth that I, I still resonate with. The thing that I think is curious, you know, let's address the the elephant in the room, which is 9-11, right? Both of these albums are coming, you know, in the years after 9-11. And after an aftermath of such a catastrophe, time works differently. So 2002, 2003, 2004, at the time seemed like a long time, but it wasn't. And so I also wonder if people at Madonna and Lauren's level were just like, I can't with this plastic. I can't with this fake. I have to cut through all that and just speak to the people. I tell you, every single, we all have gifts, you know, 
and uh, like special gifts. And there's this, this voice inside of us that says, don't do that, you know. Why you gonna get up there with that guitar? Are you gonna look like a, a hip-hop folk singer? What do you, you know? What do you... And I, I really went through, I mean, I'm serious. I, I, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but it took a long time for me to understand that, you know, what I am is what I am. And I, I can't be afraid to, you know, to expose that to the public. You know, always, always get in trouble trying to make it, you know, trying to dress it up, you know what I'm saying? And, and just tired of that, you know, just tired of that. Tired of fronting, tired of that. And until I find a group of people that are as passionate about it as I am, I just roll alone until such time, you know. It's all good, God is faithful. Y'all still get to hear it, so, you know. Because that enemy, he would tell me, you know, uh, you, you don't have the 20-piece band. You can't do nothing. I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> Keep talking. Because somebody's going, they're going to see me, and they're going to know, oh, I, there's something that God's been telling me to do. I can do it, too. I can do what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't, I don't need an entourage. <laughs> what do I need a crew for? That doesn't validate you. Yeah. And I want to say, I want to ask a controversial question, maybe. If you take um, Die Another Day off of American Life, maybe she doesn't want to be a pop star. Maybe she isn't wrestling with the big fame and yeah. the life. Penny's dream just, come true. <laughs> doesn't she just want to be on the farm with Guy and Rocco and Lourdes and ride horses and, and start to like do her skin line and write kids' books? Like, Isn't that the dream that she was working towards? I don't know. I mean, I think I like that idea. Of course I do love this idea, but I do. I, I think she may have felt that to a degree. And I agree. Like if you take die another day, and I even think if you take American life, the song American life off the album, and it starts with Hollywood and goes through it, it is an album of dis disillusionment, an album of stepping away, you know, yeah. of saying, yeah. and, and I do think in that way too, Lauren Hill was like, I'm trying to break the machine. I don't want to, yeah, exactly. I, 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 I can never do miseducation again. It was a perfect album and she had already reached other levels with the Fugees before that. And that she was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be part of this machine. And I do think Madonna is saying, I don't necessarily want to be a part of the machine. Um, but in I this also, moment, in, in this, this moment, moment she's, right. Yeah. Because I think she's like, you know, when she puts out confessions in the next year and a half, they're like, why did you make a, you know, a disco album, a dance album after, you know, this, she's like, well, I just wanted to dance. And I do think that's actually a true statement too. I don't think yeah. that she was like, you know, I mean, I think there was other pressures, commercial pressures or pressures about ego and career. And I do think, you know, if we start to look at her personal life and I, things looked healthy, but I think they were rockier than we understood at the time that there could have been other ego driven reasons why she wanted to do an album like confessions. But I think, yeah, I think a part of her is like, I just want to let go and disappear, you know, disappear and become just, just Mrs. Ritchie. But I don't know. I don't think it's totally true. Like, well, no, her. she got bored. I, I, I just be careful what you wish for kids. That's what I always say to myself. I think to myself is like, yeah. I would get bored. I would be so bored. And, you know, I think it's it, she's also an artist and i think what's interesting about this song because i love going back to the just it, it it's so helpful to kind of just remember this song in the way that it, it is kind of an artist statement and i think i i also think that she was like looking at other artists not so much musical artists but visual artists and writers and so and she was been like how were they able to balance it because i do think she wants to do this balance don't you think Ken? she wants to do this she wants to be able to hit the back of the stadium and be home with the kids and she wants to be able to do both and i think for a while she's able to do it but sometimes in some of the least interesting things that she did, like the children's books, like we talked about it earlier this season, like they don't resonate and they really, no one talks about them today as great literature. And um, I mean, you, you know, I mean, people are still talking about Judy Bloom and, you know, she's, she's going to mean like chapter 92. five, chapter five, page oh. three. Have, have you read it? Have you read? <laughs> that was like in middle school. I mean, like, oh, forever? Are we talking about forever? Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, 
You have to turn to this page and you won't believe what is there. Sarah Rabino had a copy of Forever <laughs> and it was highlighted and there was a paper clip, a dirty paper clip. Who knows what that paper clip had seen? Where she, they would paper clip the dirty scenes with Michael, the girl's boyfriend, where they discovered sex in the bathroom. Oh, mm. it was very provocative. I mean, she passed sixth grade, she was passing that book, that paperback around. Um, I think there's something, you know, I can resonate with this, like in the sense of like, sorry, I don't mean to cut off the Judy Bloom conversation. If we want to have more. I met her once in Florida. She's very nice. Okay. go ahead. (laughs) I have no doubt. No, I'm thinking about it in like, in my own artistic life. Like there was a time when I was happy in my life. No, um, there, uh, there was, dare. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, but I'm still washing my ha- my sonic hands off. Ugh. Well, I think there was a time, you know, I was really, really engaged in writing plays like play plays. Yeah. And like, I really, I worked at it really hard and I was like really into it. And, and I did like seven or eight plays in a row, you know, yeah. and I was like this play, this play, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. And then there was literally a moment where I was like, do you know what a play is? It's like a couple people in a room, they have a fight. One person either leaves the room or stays and then something else happens. And like they're go to another room or another thing. And I was like, and I don't really care anymore. Like, yeah, I was like, I stopped. I didn't want to go through the circle of making another, another play. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go through the cycle. I was like, I get it. I don't, this isn't giving me what I need. And I wonder if something about this album and what she's talking about in this song is like this sort of like, okay, I'm going to make another album. I'm going to go through another cycle. And what am I getting out of it? Am I connecting to my audience? Am I going deeper? Am I making an impact in the world? What will let me live forever? Because it's right after this or right around this, she connects with Malawi. She start her, you know, her social justice engagement or engagement with larger ideas. Are she puts her money more... where her mouth is. She doesn't just talk about it. She starts to take action and find things yeah, to do. Though she yeah. has been, but now she's looking at it globally. I'm going to build a school. I'm going to build a hospital. I'm going to yeah. figure out what can I do to keep an imprint that really changes the world. And I, I think some of a lot of this album is that sort of sense of like, okay, I, I'm I'm thinking about who I am in a small way, but also like, what can I do with all the things that I have? You know, that's going to give me more than what I already have gotten. I mean, Ted, do you have some, did you have a moment like that with this or like, was there a moment in your, in your kind of life where you were at one of these crossroads that Kenny and Madonna are thinking about? (laughs) Serious? No, it's, it's a serious thing. No, it's a good question. And I think for me, it's rooted in this idea of ambition and where can ambition take you and what does ambition feel like in your body and are you comfortable with it and what is motivating you? And when I think about my own life, um, I don't know if I've ever gotten to a point where, no, I, I can't think of a point right now. I'm sorry, Mark. Can you? Um. Oh, well, I definitely had that. I had a point in 2016. I'd written two plays that were one. One had a. They both had got a lot of attention, and then I was like, nothing happened. And I was like, and I was kind of okay with that. And I started to put my energies into other things. And one of the things that came out of that was this. And um, mm-hmm. and I'm very happy with how that because I was like, you know, you've you've put your energy towards this one thing for so long, and so what's going to happen if you uh, if you what if your energy goes like out as opposed to so focused, what is what is going to come out of that? And so much came out of that, like so many different experiences and everything. And I would imagine for Madonna, these last few years of trying new things and getting out of her comfort zone and ha- opened her opened her up to new experiences and 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 things and and having a second child and balancing all of that and um you know and and writing the children's books i mean like as as silly as i think it is i mean she did have to sit and not get the immediate gratification of like getting getting the the song and knowing that she nailed the song and i think mm-hmm. she's articulating in this song an ethos of like the grounding of self and art and experience and the connection with with that that is more important than any of these other circumstances that are either foisted on her or she believed at one point was really important. So I take back my no, 
And I think that I was thinking career-wise, but when I think personal life-wise, that's often the cycle of dating for me. Mm. Whether I am in a relationship and I think, you know what, I don't need to be in a relationship right now and I can healthily leave and we can we can we can consciously uncouple. Or there's times of prolonged singlehood and I think, you know what? I love my friends, I love my time alone, and I would love to share it with a romantic partner. So I'm going to pursue that. And so definitely, I think there's those moments where you go in and you're excited to go out or you've been out and you want to go in. So I think, thanks for asking that question and making me sweat a bit. (laughs) Of course. You don't want the easy ride. You don't want the easy ride. (laughs) Is Is that a dating joke? It is a oh. dating. It's always a. It's always a rough ride in New York City, baby. Oh, it can be, but actually, I don't mind it if it's a little easy. I mean, it should definitely be, <laughs> there should be a couple parts where it's easy. You just don't want to be disappointed, for sure. Totally. Well, yeah, you have to manage your expectations. You know. <laughs> you know what's powerful about this song, though, is that her artistry is at top form because she doesn't answer her own questions. Madonna's Mm. at her worst when she thinks she knows the answer and she dictates it to us. This song is an unresolved masterpiece, right? It's there sonically. You know, it is such an intelligent song. It starts simple, her and the guitar. And then as I've shared with you guys, I think it builds into four parts and each part, you know, becomes a little bit more complex and it's in relationship to the lyrics and her voice is stable the whole time, but that foundation that's supporting her lyrics is getting more complex. And maybe the the tinny sounds are are blasting off into space, or maybe yeah. you hear that foundation digging into the earth. But regardless, she's moving forward. And then with that disappointment lyric that Kenny, you mentioned earlier, the song changes and it falls apart and all those disparate separate parts of the song, including those swelling string solos, Mark, that you mentioned, they all kind of fall apart. And they, that last quarter, it's just, it's, it's pivoting, it's halting, it's, it's stuttering. The skipping, and, this, it's yeah, skipping yeah. and it's so beautiful. And you can imagine the music video, you can imagine the performance art that could go along with this. Yeah. And she just leaves us with her stuff stuttering or her fragments repeat just round and round just and then she doesn't even give herself the last word the strings have the last word 30 seconds of string on this monumental album it's a stunning it's a stunning admission of vulnerability for me also gives you a moment at the end that kind of like in secret garden where you have a moment you have time to kind of go oh what did i learn here like like she said all this stuff and there's been so much of because i i I feel like a lot of the stuttering and the different elements shifting it's the ground shifting and she's able to kind of but she's like standing still and able to and then you're kind of left with like the denouement of it where you're allowed to kind of be like oh wow what a journey and what what have i learned from this before the the sound comes out it gives you a private moment with just the music and she's like well <laughs> do you know yeah. what i mean yeah so now what <laughs> it's sort of like well it's an interesting in a way, like I would say, I know um, Ted, you were pairing this with music, but I would say, Ray of Light, music, American life. This is like the trio that go together, and in a way, like you know, Ray of Light ends with the Mer Girl, and that I'm still running away, and we're left with like some ambient sound and silence that yeah. leaves us again in a pensive place. I think like 
and gone too. I mean, at the end of music gives us another sort of like solid end, but this yeah. sort of then takes it to this other level that, yeah, I think this idea of what are we, what are we left with? And if, if you're playing this like a CD and the CD stops, right. Which, you know, or even on streaming now, if you're listening to it on, and it just stops and you're left with like, Hmm, where have I been? What's the journey that I've been on and and how do I reflect it? Yeah, it's really beautiful. And there isn't, if we think ahead, I don't feel like, Certainly in the next three, I can't think of another album actually moving forward where we have that sense of thought at the end. You know, the albums end on buttons, they end with a statement, they they end kind of messily, like as they get uh, later albums, we just have all these extra tracks. We never really know when the album actually has ended, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so these, this, this solid period of an ending or, or, or ellipses, I don't know what we would call that at the end. I think it's a period, right? Yeah. 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 You know, the, the, the way that, the, the way that this album was received, I, I, I do wonder what, because Ted, you proposed this idea. What would, if this had been a huge hit for Madonna, this album, if everyone had been like, oh my God, she's been transformed and she's the voice, you know, how do you think it would have gone for, like, would we've gotten more Madame or more American lives? Would we have? I almost said Madame. We X wouldn't X. have gotten Madame. Madame X, X would have arrived immediately after. She's like, I'm wait. I've been waiting. But you know what I mean? Like, like, would we have gotten more of those? Would this have been? Would we have had kind of American Life songs tucked into other kind of more traditional Madonna records? Would it have been, you know? This is one of those, this is like the train ethical question, right? Like, would we would we give up the amazing Confessions album for a more brilliant, stable, less problematic Madonna now, right? Like, what would you rather have? Confessions <sighs> or a less problematic Madonna now? That's the question that I think we're wrestling with. And I don't know what we would have gotten if the world had received this album better yeah and i don't know and i think something that you all have been saying along this whole season is it's not that the album isn't good it's actually an amazing album it's the way the rollout was so what would have happened if you know kenny got his dream in american life never it never existed or it was tucked in somewhere like that right yeah. like the world would have had to have been a different place and madonna would have had to have been able to see that difference earlier than she did. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting because I, I, I don't think, and as we get into confessions, it's like, I don't think I could imagine my life without confessions, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know, like, I think confessions is, yeah. It, you know, yeah. This, this gorgeous fire it's like this thing that's burning out you know and she's sucking all the energy she has left for this thing that like she she can't really do again after that you know or hasn't tried to in a way um or has i can't i wouldn't say she hasn't tried no um, i think it's the opposite i think she continues to try and that's the problem yeah, right i yeah, think if she yeah. had felt heard and witnessed with american life that would have been assuaged inside of her at least for a longer period and I think she wouldn't be chasing youth culture. Like I think both the the quote unquote failure of American life and the success of confessions got it into her head that she had to keep on being the trendsetter. And, yeah. and no one has had the power to be able to just sit her down and go, bitch, you're amazing. And you don't have, you can do anything and everything you want, but you certainly don't have to chase the youth. Well, and, and I, I, I think I'm just thinking now, cause you know, we just talked about the live performances of these songs and so many of them were done on tears of a clown. And I think it's really interesting now, just as thinking about the career that like she was wrapping up rebel heart. And I do wonder if revisiting and reconnecting with these songs kind of unlocked something in her to make the Madame X album, because it was a reminder of like, I just want to write some songs that I care about. Yeah. And make them and record them the way I want to record them without yeah. people 
weighing in. I mean, it's going to start to get kind of wooly on all I want to do is talk about Madonna because there are so many songwriters and so many collaborators starting to come into this. And it's, and it, um, in a, in a way it's kind of like what you mentioned, uh, Kenny, which is, it is kind of the last time that we get something this holistic and, and sealed. It, yeah. it, do you know what, it, like it never quite gets like this again. And well, maybe think, that's a good yeah. thing. I uh, maybe, 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 you know, I think like when I think what she wanted to do with this album was what the promo tour was, but even with less, meaning she just wanted to go out and play the songs with the band and go to rooms where she could connect with people and hear the songs. And what got in the way was the star making machinery, you know, and yeah. then the pressures of like, you know, whatever her contract is or whatever her deal is to make money back. You know, when we talk about reinvention in the next couple, next episode, I think there's this real thing of like, when she does the hits, she's kind of checked out. She wants to, and she's really there for the songs from this album. She's really playing them. She wants to sit with her guitar and she wants to connect with the band. She wants to be real. Yeah. You know, and I'm really thankful for this set of songs. I think you're right. I think when she went back to play them in Tears of a Clown, she was like, this is just really beautiful. And she hadn't given herself that, you know, in a long time, that understanding or appreciation. And we have those gorgeous Australians singing a lot. So many people were singing along to these like obscure ballads. I mean, they were singing along to intervention and ecstatic process. And that's got to feel amazing. You know, it's, it's, I always think about it when I, when I see one of my favorite singers sing something and they haven't done it ever, you know? And the, I remember when Stevie pulled out Wild Heart on the last, her big last solo tour for 24 Karat Goal, people lost their mind. She'd never done it live. And it was like, so it's like, it, it's that thing also of like, kind of like the song, I want to live forever. And they didn't forget these songs. Cause I mm -hmm. think sometimes you write stuff and you create stuff and, you know, I think I, you know, Kenny and I, we've got published stuff. Ted, you've got published work. Like at least people will find it. But when people don't say, "Oh, I love it now," it's like, "Oh, did it even exist?" And I feel like there must be songs for songwriters where, you know, they love these things and then they just, you know, nobody nobody cares about them until later. And for her to have for have these like diary songs sing, sung back to you by your people is, is got, has to be very moving. Yeah. I watched a bit of um, the stuff in Australia before today. And after she sings easy ride, she starts talking about standing rock and she does a beautiful kind of speech about how painful it is that we ignore indigenous people and we ignore, you know, what are just simple and right and just things to do when it comes to the land. And to yeah. me, that seems like such a beautiful way to imagine what comes after that 30 seconds of string is some beautiful contemplation and some direct, clear direction about where we should go and focus. And so why not look at Standing Rock? Why not listen to people who have been stewarding the land much longer than us? It, it just seemed like such a perfect fit, even in her absolutely ridiculous and beautiful baby doll dress. Why is it and what is it about humans that make us so incapable of appreciating indigenous cultures around the world. Why do we feel the need to destroy not only the people, but the environment that they live in around the world? Why are we not compelled to respect them, to preserve them, and to learn from them? Why? It just really makes me feel ashamed. Ashamed to be an American. Ashamed to be a human being, really. I think that there's something very um, um, bittersweet about this time for all of us. I mean, I think, I think you know, I was at a point in getting ready to come back to New York after having a really troubled time in Chicago. I knew I needed to quit drinking and I knew I needed to like grow the fuck up and make some decisions and make some commitments because I had kind of 
shed everything that I was trying to get away from. I was shedding everything that was holding me down. And I realize now that like the lessons of this album of questioning a lot, um, not looking at the easy stuff, not um, believing everything, knowing that love and self-love and personal love takes work. And like, what am I doing to the bigger picture? We're, we're, we're really fundamental. And I think had this album been confessions, I would have been too busy dancing and gyrating to really appreciate the lessons. Yeah. I think it's profound that after decades of giving us the lessons we need and want on the dance floor, she tried a different way to be profound and, I have to say I was receptive to it at the time. I was a young person who was dying to be middle-aged or dying to be a decade older than I was at this time. And so seeing Madonna in all her mature beauty, and I have to be honest, I was in denial that she ever had plastic surgery. I told everyone it was just from yoga. Um, Namaste. I (laughs) I just thought that she epitomized the kind of adult that I wanted to ease into. And so, and it makes me love the album even more, Mark, to know that it, it resonates with you in a specific way now that allows you to look back on Mark of Chicago, making that transition to Mark of the fabulous New York that you are now. Oh, thank you so much, Ted. We've not even met in person and you already know that about me. That's very sweet. <laughs> um, so I know there's, there is a remix to this song. Are we going to talk about Miss Tracy Young's mix? Do we have to? I mean, Agreed. I, I kind of think it's a kicky little, like, do you think that, that they asked her to do it? Or did she go like, Madonna, I want to do Easy Ride. I think that she volunteered and I think I was listening to it today on my run and I couldn't finish it. And you know, there's edited versions and there's longer versions and that's not the remix I wanted for this song around this time. Um, Kronos Quartet and um, Steve Reich are doing amazing work with the Columbia 9-11 oral histories. I was sitting in class four blocks four blocks north of Ground Zero. I was taking my kids to school. The first plane went straight went straight over our heads, went straight over our heads and into the building. And that's what I want. I want like a Kronos Quartet remix of Easy Ride. Oh I want my something God. that is just reaching for the profundity and I will dance to it. Maybe not on the dance floor, but I will dance to it if Kronos makes it. Um, Ted, what was, <laughs> what's been the response to your newsletter about American life? Gangbusters. I have to tell you, I've been writing this newsletter since 2014 and uh, I changed the format probably five years ago. It used to just be kind of a listings thing and thoughts here and there. And then I changed to essay format after a, a really beautiful moment of dancing on Fire Island. And ever since then, I've just done long forum and people, you know, respond. But with this, 
the number one response has been from people who I've been talking to about Madonna for the last 10 years, and they've just been excited to see the ideas coalesced into a, a form. Yeah. But for people, I'm 44, so people around my age, give or take five years, there's also kind of a coming out of the closetness around being a Madonna fan, being someone who measures or can mark their life through Madonna albums. And this, I think that newsletter gave a lot of people permission to either announce that American life was important to them or to go back and actually listen to it again. And, and then lastly, I have to humble brag that my friend, um, Ricky Tucker, who wrote, um, and the category is, which is a beautiful book about ballroom culture. Yes. He is also a teacher at Pratt and the new school. And he actually used the essay in his classes. And to think that like a young generation of, of people who want to take a class with Ricky Tucker are talking about Madonna using you guys, using me and using Ricky just makes me happy for the future. It's a great way to, sh- to to channel your art and your work, Ted, is to is to kind of cast that light. Because what I love always about your um, what your newsletter is all the um, resources you provide us with all across all kinds of things, whether that's great movies to go see or specific performances on TV shows or things like that, or, you know, how to help homeless people and and different resources that you you provide. It's it's like a really beautiful. It's like a town square and then, and then the piece starts. And then now here's why I'm really here. And I love that. Building off of what you were just saying, Mark, I think, you know, and Ted to what you said at the beginning of like um, the way that we think about Madonna as artists in a serious, in a serious way, of course we take, you know, laugh a lot and make fun and, you know, look at funny things as well, but that we really look at her artistry and what she means in our work. And I think, you know, one of the things I just responded so deeply in your essay is how deeply you looked at at her as as someone as a landmark in your life, as a as a, a place, but also like what the lessons are and what we can learn and discover. And I think that that journey, that's this coming out of the closet part of being a Madonna fan that I think has been the most interesting for me. Or people talking about like, oh yeah, I love this song and this era, but really what I got was like how to be this age or how to do this thing. Um, I always still look at Madonna of like, I think of confessions. She's 46. Okay. When I was 40, before I was 46, I was like, what am I going to be like when I'm 46? I hope I'm like her, you know, and it's about this and this. And so I think that, but also just that deep dive into like, well, where was I? What was I doing? What did this mean to me? And how does it look different now is really powerful and meaningful. And I'm just happy to share that space with you for that. Indeed. So I think we should, we should end our conversation uh, our la- oh, about America. I can't believe we're finally here, Kenny. <laughs> this has been a long... This has been a long one. This has been a long one. Uh, with Tough. The- it's it's been tough and it, and it's been a lot of uh we've done it all over the place it's been a lot it's been very scattered yeah. and and sporadic just like american life itself not an easy ride not us, an I easy think. ride not yeah. an easy ride it would have helped to have more strings i think in mm. our com- <laughs> um let's answer this question each of us um american life is you go first mark oh man Okay, the album American Life is Texture. The album American Life is Madonna's Great Gatsby. Child. Okay. American Life is alluring and cruel. Oh. Oh, Ted Kerr. Ted Kerr. Thank you so much for being here, Ted. Oh, how can people how can people find you and where (laughs) where can they connect with you? Go to tedkerr.club if you want to connect with me online. And if we happen to be in the same physical space, please flirt with me. I think we need more in-person flirting, however, and you show up. Please flirt. Amen. Please flirt. Let's have a, just a flirting party. We should have a flirting party. Maybe we should. Maybe maybe that should be our 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 next our live show in L, in New York. We should do a flirt party. That sounds right. beautiful. I'll be there. 
Fabulous. Thank you so much, Ted. Uh, this you, you made our day and you yeah, made this made song such a, a, a wonderful way to end this very, 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 very complicated long conversation <laughs> with my friend Kenny Finkel about American life. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. Till next time. Bye. Go round and round just like a circle